Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. So let's get into this week's hot topic. We've got Matt Graham, founder of and CEO of MBS Live. And we're going to be getting a closer look into what MBS Live does and how it can be used to stay on top of the markets and the MBS markets and the treasury markets and all that's going on with this. But more importantly, we just want to get to know Matt. So Matt, good to have you here, friend. Appreciate you and agreeing to sign up to be part of our podcast each and every week. Good to have you back. Hey, you bet. Yeah, if you're going to talk about barbecue in Austin, then I definitely need to show up. I have not made it out to Franklin oh, Barbecue yet, and so I need to know if lines are back to normal or if I missed yeah, it. They're manageable. I actually said someone ago, I walked in right away, got right into Franklin's, and that is a long wait. It is one of them, but we've got another one that's even a best-kept secret. We won't tell anybody, just our audience, Okay, and oh, that is yeah. OP's. It is right in Spicewood. It is as good as Franklin's. I got to tell you, it is amazing. That's where Andy and I get down there. Yeah, come on out. You'll join Andy and I. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Get yourself out here. We'd love to have you join us. It's awesome barbecue. That's Texas known for it, and we got it. But I'm really interested in getting to know yourself. How long have you been affiliated with the mortgage industry, and what's your path to MBS Live? Sure thing. So I started out as an originator back in 2002, 2003, and had a pretty good time with that and really fell in love with this sort of meta aspect of following along financial markets for the purpose of understanding what rates were doing and getting on top of intraday reprices. And uh, there were several great services to do that at the time. And I felt that I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and see how far that rabbit hole really went. And just sort of boldly and naively and brazenly started writing <laughs> market commentary. I think maybe a little bit overconfident at the time, but people really seemed to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. And one thing led to another and found myself creating a, a little bit of a following along with Adam Quinones. And Mortgage News Daily created a bit of following for people that really wanted to follow along that deeper aspect of uh, the secondary mortgage market. And one of the things that we were doing was, you know, conveying this information that we were seeing on our our terminal, like TradeWeb and such. And people wanted that sense of something that was truly live and real time and interactive. And that was really how... MBS Live was started as I wanted to give people something that was live and interactive that kind of looked and felt like a trading terminal with the numbers flashing in green and red on the screen. And from that concept, everything else has sort of evolved. And we have the live chat and 
Live alert. Dude, this screen is loaded with information. There's a mobile version of it. There's a lot of information here, and I want to kind of break down and get to know it a little bit better. But you launched this company, MBS Live. When did you launch it? What's the journey to what we see as a look and feel now? I'd love to hear about that from a technology standpoint. Yeah, the well. technology standpoint, I wish I could talk more about the technical details because my business partners are kind of the wizards behind that. And just <laughs> about them, I will say I have no idea how they do what they do. All I know is that at one point in this journey, I was paying several thousand dollars a month for this very highly recommended Wall Street tech firm to build out my vision. And it was nothing but bugs and challenges and whatnot. But despite that, my now business partner said, hey, we could do better. Because at that point, we weren't working together as closely. And they saw that there was really good potential with what I was trying to do, but poor execution on the tech side. And so they jumped in and made it such that it doesn't have to be downloaded. It doesn't have to run complicated web scripts on your computer. And it can flash in real time like a downloaded trading terminal would, which is pretty uncommon for most. Uh, websites like this. It's not going to flash like a trading terminal. So we've been doing that since 2010 in that form. And then before that, we were scraping by and with the previous version since 2008. So however long that is, 12 years, give or take. Here we are. Yeah. Look at, look at what you got here today. It's just amazing. It's- this does look like a trade web or any of the other where you pay thousands of thousands of dollars, but it's got all the information that we'd ever need right here. So it's very, very good. Excellent. Love if it. you're an originator, yeah, we partner with Thomson Reuters, and I'd like to keep a, a healthy separation of functionality there. So if you are uh, heavy in the secondary markets, you definitely need a full trading terminal. I just I would like to throw that shout out to Refinitive Icon and Thomson Reuters because yep. we couldn't do what we do without them. And if you're a big Big dog, you need to be rolling with the big dogs over there. But if you're an originator or just have an interest in market movement, MBS Live is great. Yeah, I think for the average mortgage banker out there that's not doing a ton of positions in the market, take a lot of positions in the market, this is more than adequate. This is really good. And then, and now where are you located? A lot of people say, okay, got to know what part of the country you're in. Yeah, I'm in Portland, Oregon. And our corporate offices are are in Charlotte. Corporate office in Charlotte. How in the heck do you do bi-coastal? How's that working? How'd that happen? Well, uh, the internet is wonderful. We are online chatting all day long and they do the tech side and I do the content creation side. And that's pretty much that. It's a well-oiled machine the way my team has it set up. Well, it is put together extremely well and I encourage people to get out there and take a look at it. Let's talk a little bit about like the coronavirus and the effect on the mortgage market. How has the narrative evolved? Let's talk a little bit about that. I'm going to get right to that. But while we're moving on from MBS Live, I just wanted to say the last couple of weeks, I said I was going to make you a code for the Licking on Lending yes. listeners. And that, that code is live now. So if oh, you use the code LOL, Licking on Lending, then that go to good. mbslive.net, sign up for a free trial. Entering that code will double the free trial time and also obviate the need to input any credit card info. So it makes it really fast and easy to try out the site. And well, thank uh, you. you know, yeah, you bet. 
We'll, uh, we'll maybe do some sort of special offer, make it even sweeter in the future. Yeah, check it out for free. That's And then double the time on it. Don't have to put in a credit card. That's excellent. I am going to come back and talk about some screens on here, but I really want to get the thought leadership going because you do have a lot of great thought leadership. And that's one of the things that's great. That's what we're going to start hearing more from as you get in and provide your report each and every week. And so let's get over to that big question, the coronavirus, and, and how yeah. has the narrative evolved? That's really interesting. That yeah, it is maybe one of the most interesting interesting things that we've ever gone through. The financial Mm -hmm. crisis was different because it was ugly in a mortgage-specific sort of way, and there was a lot of emotion tied up with it that was, again, specific to the mortgage industry. When the coronavirus thing started happening, some people were saying "Eh, it's not as bad as the financial crisis yet, but very quickly in several ways, and it's now obvious based on the economic data, it was completely unprecedented, and it was much worse than the financial crisis in some ways. And uh, I don't think the mortgage industry really realized what was going to happen at first. So I'll just kind of walk through a little bit of a timeline of my thought process through the coronavirus market impact and just jump in and tell me to shut up and ask your question if I get going too too deep on something. So really March was when things got really crazy. And in early March, the writing was on the wall with respect to shutdowns, quarantines, and the effect that was going to have on people's incomes, potentially, and ability to make mortgage payments, and just the overall de-risking of the market, the flight to cash, the mad dash for cash. People Mm -hmm. were panicked. They wanted to get out of their trading positions. They wanted to de-leverage. And this was something that we weren't going to fully be able to appreciate without the benefit of hindsight. But really, early March was all about sell, 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 sell. Whatever you got, sell it. Got to get the cash, got to get neutral. It was a mad dash. And that, when you do it in the mortgage bond market and the treasury market, as listeners may know, makes rates go quickly higher. It makes bond prices go quickly lower. We have a vast oversupply of selling demand and not many buyers. Nobody really wants to open new positions right then. Even though opening new positions was probably a good idea from an investment standpoint, because if you are kind of pessimistic on what's going to happen to the economy, buying bonds could be a good idea because bond prices are probably going to go up. Nonetheless, the demand wasn't there. And so things tanked in early March everywhere. And that is (laughs) when the Fed stepped in on a Sunday, March 15th, and with an emergency announcement. At the time, I didn't really feel like they necessarily needed to uh, jump in, but MBS spreads that prior week. So calls for the Fed to jump in, I should say, had been mounting as coronavirus kind of came into focus. And spreads, and when I say spreads, I'm talking about the spread between mortgage bonds and treasury yields. And it's just sort of a quick way to reference how healthy the demand is for mortgage bonds. Those spreads had blown up that week heading into that emergency Fed announcement. So here comes the Fed, and they're going to buy MBS and treasuries again. And uh, theoretically, that's supposed to soothe bond market back on track, right? Because that's what the that's what has always happened when the Fed has come out guns blazing. And this was probably the craziest couple of days we have ever seen so insane. Yeah. in the MBS market. To put that in context, we always look back on 2008, 2009 as being 
something we'll never see again in terms of this insane volatility, these two-point moves in MBS prices, 10, 20, 30 BIP days in 10-year yield. And now, March, it was like something we'd never seen before. And one of the days in particular, I forget exactly which one, was back and forth in such a colossal way that it, it just made the craziest volatility we've ever seen intraday. And that's where a lot of these call concerns came up, but we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, a couple of days after the Fed's emergency announcement, paradoxically, we see yields moving higher, drastically so, and MBS prices moving significantly lower, paradoxically so. To understand why that's happening, all we have to consider is, hey, the Fed said they were going to buy a certain amount, and the market's telling the Fed, yo, guys, that's not enough. We are more panicked than you thought. We have more to sell than you thought. The REITs have a ton of leveraged MBS they need to get rid of quickly, and there's not enough demand from what you guys, the Fed, said and what the rest of the market's going to buy to uh, get us back to a cash position. So then the Fed said, oh, yeah, you think that we're not up to the task. So then, I mean, they pulled out like four bazookas strapped nuclear together. Nuclear warfare. Yeah, it was. Man, it, it felt like I tell you. So at one point, they set up to $50 billion a day. They only ended up buying $36.6 billion a day on average that week. But even that is staggering. Yes. So the Fed basically said, hey, we got this. And at that point, bond market said, oh, very sorry that we stepped out of line. We will go back to our corner and just be calm and peaceful. And everything has really <laughs> calmed down since then. But the negative byproduct, of course, was that prices rose so quickly oh. in MBS that a lot of lenders were put out by this margin call issue, which was maligned as a big bad issue that was going to put lenders out of business. I think it would have been way worse if it had kept going. And I think the fear was going to keep heading in that direction. But what we were yeah. telling people on MBS Live at the time is that this only lasts so long, the Fed will level off. The Fed's not going to keep buying just to juice bond prices. They're just buying for liquidity. They're buying to stabilize the buying versus selling relationship. They're not buying to inflate MBS prices or to push rates lower in this case. They may have done yeah. that in the past, yeah, but not this time. So I got to get Andy Shell in here because th this really had such a big impact. Andy, I know you have clients. I had clients. They said if this had continued another day or two, they were facing insolvency. We came that close to some major, major institutions going under. And that is just a nail-biting time. Andy Shell, welcome in and this discussion. I'm glad you get a chance to meet Matt. So glad. Hey, Matt. It's Great hey, to have you, Matt, on the show. So I'm I'm actually very much enjoying listening to you describe and recant the experience that we all endured through March uh, this year. And, and I actually have more questions than I think I have time to ask at this time. So I'm going to circle back to what was the real problem as a result of the margin call angst. I want to get to that. But let me just throw out and bookmark a couple of other thoughts, and maybe you can get to it as time permits, and you can think about this. So, but but. First, the, the biggest issue is, what was that code again for LOL? Just LOL. L okay. L laugh out loud or look it online. Look yeah. it on lending. Yep. That's <laughs> good. So the sidebar that we can have sometime, and I'd be curious to know more about the preparation of your market commentary, how that's put together. Has your team done an analysis of the Chicago Commodity Index to determine a correlation to MBS price change volatility, and then how your team can supplement some of the hedge advisory work that the hedge advisors do in providing some guidance? Because it sounds like there's some parallel 
parallel there. I just like you started out saying the depth isn't the same, but it's still very interesting. So we can bookmark those, come back to them if if it works to put it into the discussion today. But I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts about after the margin call, what else is going on in that time? Yeah, you bet. And and the margin call thing, I don't want to minimize it, right? Because I have clients on the site and long-term friends that have been with me for 10 plus years that were freaking out and losing their minds, and rightfully so. I don't want to make it seem like that wasn't a big issue. I was just telling them at the time that, hey, guys, this will be leveling off now. This is going to calm down. And it's something that we were going to endure in one form or another just because bond yields were going to fall so quickly and prices were going to rise so quickly, it was going to be an issue. The big intraday volatility, that's really on the Fed, I think, They had to choose between undershooting again and maybe causing more panic or overshooting and causing stuff like these margin call issues. And I think they erred on the side of being too forceful. And that was probably the right decision, but not without consequence. But as far as the real issues, there's one more unreal issue or one more sort of red herring issue to get out of the way before we get to the real one. And I'm not sure if you guys talked about this or not, but the CARES Act and the servicer backstop. Oh, yes. And so that was center stage for a while where the initial draft of the CARES Act in the House had a servicer backstop to some extent. And what we're talking about here for listeners that might not know is that in the mortgage world, when a servicer is sending payments through to the investor, to the bondholder, depending on the type of loan and how that loan is originated, in many cases, they are on the hook to send the whole payment or a substantial portion of the payment, regardless of the borrower making their payment. And in an environment where you have this official piece of legislation saying, hey, guys, you don't have to make your payments, then we're looking at the biggest potential tidal wave of forbearances and non-payment that we've ever seen, even much greater than the financial crisis, and uh, servicers being on the hook to forward those payments and maybe not having the cash flow to do so. That was a very valid concern, but we saw as backstops were implemented in Ginny May and as the forbearance situation has unfolded in conventional lending, that the, the servicing backstop was not the deal breaker either. It was a concern, but it right. wasn't the thing that had caused the, the sort of the centerpiece of benchmarking the drama for the mortgage market. And what I mean by that is this unimaginably wide gap between mortgage rates and what mortgage bonds said those rates should be. And I think, Dave, we did talk about this last week, maybe a little bit. We did. We did. He was on the podcast on that last week, so he missed that dialogue we had on that. But yeah, you did touch on that. It was really good. I loved your comments on that. Yeah. And I mean, the historical spread between the MBS current coupon, which is a theoretical uh, yield that would be based on par, if par even existed right now, has been about 100 basis points to 110 basis points, 90 to 110. And it uh, blew up all the way to 230 on April 1st. And if the servicing backstop and if the margin call issue, if those things were the linchpins, then we would have seen those spreads come in much more quickly. But instead, those things happened and spreads just sort of continued plotting slightly tighter, slightly lower. Even now, we're at 140 basis points, which is great, but it's very elevated historically still. And this is in line with what 
we were talking about on MBS Live, which is this isn't a process that fixes itself in a couple of days. This is all about coronavirus. It's not about these nuts and bolts issues for the mortgage industry. It is about this broad yeah. uncertainty. We need to not overcomplicate the issue. And I was more guilty of this than anybody with the servicing issue because I was really gung-ho on dissecting that stuff and talking about these <laughs> backstops. But then when we saw that Ginnie Mae backstop come out, it didn't really do anything for Ginnie Mae loans. In fact, Ginnie Mae loans were doing worse than conventional loans. And so exactly we, had to right. ask our, we had to ask ourselves, why is that? Well, guess what? If you're a Ginnie Mae borrower, no offense to you, I've been one in the past, your demographic is one that is at more risk of ending up in forbearance. And you, as a servicer also, are generally required to be more on the hook, your bondholders, than for conventional loans. So the Ginnies presented the biggest risk for their bondholders and for servicers and for originators. And so the margins were the widest. And the forbearance reports have proven that out, that they've had the biggest uptake uh, in forbearances. And it's always been all about what the course of coronavirus and the forbearance situation was going to be. Because regardless of the backstop, mortgage servicers need to have a reasonable level of certainty as to payments that are going to come in. Lenders need to have a reasonable level of certainty that they're not going to get hit with things like five to 700 basis point hit for delivering a loan where the borrower happens to opt for the forbearance before they have a chance to sell it to the agencies. And when you have these sorts of unprecedented changes going into effect. And in some cases, retroactive extensions of early payoff time windows. Right. You have to account for that. And if you don't know what's going to happen based on this completely unprecedented disease situation, you have to pad your margin. You have to charge yep. more. Yep. Because you might be on the hook for something and you don't even know what it is yet. It's so, crazy time. Yeah, it really is. And that's what I think, just that basic overarching, hey, it's coronavirus, dummy. It's not these these <laughs> narrowly focused, super specific, industry specific type things. It's the big picture. Is this going to get better or is it going to get worse or is it going to stay the same? So, Which really, we're getting some questions in. I've got a couple of questions coming in from our audience, but I want to ask one more question on that note is how bad is it? How do you quantify the fallout on the mortgage market? How do you quantify it? Well, it's been a blessing and a curse because... We have had to now ask ourselves questions about unexpected costs on crises. And to some extent, the fallout may look like a permanent adjustment to that gap between mortgage rates and uh, mortgage-backed securities. As you were talking about with Alice earlier, there may be some fallout in terms of how credit reports have to be analyzed or changed. Right. Uh, maybe some overlays are going to have to come into play with verifying cash flow for clients that have had a forbearance or that clients that have rental properties, uh, the guidelines might change due to vacationing preferences for rental properties. A lot of things surrounding coronavirus in a sort of logical right. way. But um, from a, a nuts and bolts number standpoint, you really benchmark it with that spread between rates and MBS. The positive of it is that we've had three straight days with the average top tier, best of the best rate under 3% for the first time ever. Yeah, let's get to some of the questions that are coming in here as we get closer to wrapping this up. I want to respect some of our listeners who have texted me in some comments. I know you have a great relationship with Adam. Talk about that and all the various resources you pulled from to put up on MBS Live, especially when it comes to the commentary. Where are some of the resources? Adam and I met very close to the start of all of this, and he's the guy who has a mind like steel trap. And Amazing. Definitely, yes. he's, he's so my go-to guy. When I don't understand something or if I want the technical explanation, 
He's one of the first people I talked to. He used to work here, and he moved on and is now working at Thomson Reuters and is yep. their head of mortgages and uh, is building tremendous stuff over there for the higher level mortgage people. And it's always been sort of a dream of ours to increase the level of integration between the front lines of the mortgage market and secondary, because you get a lot of this sentiment of like, oh, my lock desk is screwing me over. And I think when originators don't understand how secondary does their thing, it engenders some animosity. And that's true not only in lending, but in all areas of life. When you don't understand why somebody who has a position of power over you to some extent does what they do, you might think it's for some negative reason. But in this day and age, especially post-financial crisis, it's never made more sense for a secondary marketing manager or a company owner to have the best interest of their loan officers in mind. And I think for the good secondary folks out there, they're probably tired of being maligned as, as evil cost raisers for their loan officers. Adam and I always <laughs> wanted to sort of bridge that gap between the primary and the secondary market. And, and you um, guys have done it. You've done it. It looks like you have done it. I mean, I just love what it is. And talk real quickly about the live news stream. That's one of the windows that's within the window that I love, the little section there. And then I want to talk about the MBS live chat. So first of all, the news stream. You're pulling in some of the greatest news clips. You're aggregating and putting it all right here. But that's amazing how you do that and how quickly and how easy it is. Yeah. So we have a content partnership uh, with CNBC and every news station, people have different opinions of it. But Diana Olick does a great job yeah, of staying neutral and trying to cover what's true in, in the housing market. And uh, we like working with CNBC because they have such a wide reach and they put out yeah. videos that we can pull into the news stream. And uh, from there, we just have a proprietary algorithm that cruises the news and finds stuff that uh, might be interesting. And we combine that with the analysis and the updates and alerts I write, which I'm going to have to write one here in a second right now because the market's going down a little bit. Yeah, I and, see that. We need to get you freed up so you could go write that. But I mean, like I'm noticing, like also in Calculated Risk, one of my favorite blogs, it gives great commentary on that. CNBC, oh, yeah, all that. that. And you can, can click on any one of these. Reuters is in here. The Calculated Risk again. I mean, Redfin, there's just some great content. But talk also about the live chat because I think this is one of those features that a loan officer can benefit from. You can ask the questions, pose it right to the audience and get immediate feedback. There's stuff going on right now that's really effective. Talk about it. Yeah, if you're watching right now, then I'm going to have to publish this alert real quick, which I was typing while you were talking. So that'll come out <laughs> right now. And uh, we got a question about the licking on lending segment. So I'm going to have to pull up this link and going to have to paste that in. Oh, it looks like you already took care of that for me. You have thousands of originators around the country. If they type into this white box and hit enter, everyone else is going to see it. And, and um, everyone's responding. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm so excited about this section because there's actually three tabs at the top. So it's not just the main section on topic, but there's lenders and rates and then off topic. But I mean, so talk about those three tabs. But I look at how this is working for people that are out there, loan officers, and immediate response. And it's our community and it's such an effective tool. And just real quick on that, what I was going to say is that what we found very early on, very heartwarming and it was a beautiful thing to watch. You have LOs that wouldn't necessarily help each other otherwise. They wouldn't even yeah. know each other. Now going right. out of their way to help 
somebody that's not even at their company. And for many of our people, they've said the same thing in different words over the years, which is this just expanded the walls of my office to be like 3,000 miles wide. Talk about the lenders and rates tab real quickly and then off topic. And we got to wrap this because you got to write some stuff. This market's acting up here. So talk yeah, about the, the second tab real quickly. Yeah. So these are just the ways that we divide chat out to try to keep it more focused. On topic chat is, you know, for market movement, lenders and rates. If somebody yeah. wants to discuss something that's going on at a particular lender or an overlay or how that lender's rates are doing or a loan scenario, that would be that. And then off topic, before coronavirus, it was much more to do with sports. But now we got sourdough <laughs> bread baking, parenting. How do we teach our kids common core math? stuff like that. That's amazing. It's a great content. I love your website. It's such an honor to get to know you. And I'm just really thrilled that you're here. And I want to have your thought leadership uh, present each week. And that as well as obviously we want to create greater awareness of MBS Live. It's a powerful tool, listeners. So again, the website is mbslive.net. And then uh, the code yeah. LOL, Licking on Lending, LOL. Look at the lending. I love it. Very good. Appreciate you so much for being here this week. I know you got to go back and make some comments and great tool that you have. And we're, again, just honored to have you be here on the podcast. There's a lot more talk we could talk about, but we'll be doing that throughout the weeks ahead. Appreciate it so much. Glad to be here. Thank you, Dave. You bet. Next week, we're going to have Tim Ross, CEO of Ross Mortgage, joining us. It's a Father's Day special. He's going to have his dad on, Huey Ross, who I've known forever and ever. Tim's such a good friend, one of the leaders in the industry, one of the definitely one of the leaders up in the Michigan market. And so got to know Tim a number of years ago. I'm so excited to have him on, and we honor him. And we also been, we've honored different fathers that are in the mortgage industry. Check out the previous Father's Day podcast. It's so great. The George family, the Georges on here. Oh, was it last year? And then we also had Mitch Kiter and My Three Sons on. That was another one we did, I think, in 2016. Anyway, lots of good stuff. We're going to look forward to add Tim Ross and Hugh Ross, father-son team, and uh, having discussing that next week. Again, special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Indicom, Accelerate, Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility, Modex, and so many more. And, of course, MBS Live. Go get your free extended offer there to get the chance to peruse through that and by putting in LOL, the Look It On Lenny podcast. So good to have you all with us. Have a great week, everybody. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.